Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Lynn Barclay, President and CEO of ASHA, and in this episode of the podcast, I'll be t- talking about bacterial vaginosis, or BV, with Dr. Noor Abulnadi, a gynecologist who specializes in minimally invasive gynecologic surgery at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine. Dr. Noor helps break down the basic facts about BV, which is the most common vaginal infection in women ages 15 to 44. She explains why women get BV, how it's diagnosed, and what treatment options are available, including a new one-dose treatment. Most importantly, though, she talks about why self-diagnosis and home remedies can do more harm than good. So listen and learn why less is more should be the motto for vaginal health. Let's dive into our conversation. I am very excited today to be able to speak to Dr. Noor about the subject of BV or bacterial vaginosis. And Dr. Noor, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for inviting me today um, to speak uh, about this topic. I am an OBGYN by training, um, but am currently practicing as a minimally invasive surgeon. I don't do any OB, but I do um, a lot of well woman exams. And BV tends to be one of the most common things that um, females will come in and complain about um, for their annual exams or even just um, for a visit uh, throughout the month. What a really common misconception is, is that the vagina is a sterile place, Um, but the vagina actually has a lot of bacteria that is normally supposed to sit there. Beautiful bacteria, thank you very much. Yes, bacteria (laughs) that should stay there. Um, And so I, I think Again, a common misconception is that bacteria is bad, but bacteria can be good. The issue is that when there's an imbalance with some of of that bacteria, women can notice that they have um, abnormal discharge. It can just be by means of amount. It can be by means of look. It can be by means of smell. Um, They can also have some symptoms of um, some slight pelvic pain, vaginal irritation, some itching, um, and those are the reasons why they come in. But... um, can some of that bacteria normally sit in the vagina and mean nothing other than that you have a healthy vagina? Yes. Awesome. Well, explain to me how how does the vagina get out of whack? How do we get BV? How does that happen to women? Yeah, so like I said before, so the, the vagina is not a sterile place. It, um, it does house um, a variety of bacteria. And what happens is that there's a particular balance with our pH that is really regulated by the type of bacteria that sits in the vagina. Um, There's a predominance of one, it's called lactobacilli. Um, What it does is that it uh, produces a more acidic environment, so lactic acid. Um, What can happen is that due to a variety of factors, um, there can be a reduction in the amount of lactobacilli that uh, sits within the vagina. And then the pH of the vagina becomes more basic. And then there's an overgrowth of a certain type of bacteria uh, one of which we commonly know that's implicated in um, bacterial vaginosis called Gardnerella vaginalis. And then that ends up resulting in a lot of abnormal discharge and the other symptoms that I described, um, which includes having a foul odor, um, the itching, um, some discomfort, uh, and yeah. Is BB common or rare or? Oh, it's incredibly common. I think if you went and you surveyed um, the average OBGYN, you would have at least one to two clinic patients per day that would come in complaining of BV. But we know statistically that 30% of women will um, have BV annually. It's the most common vaginal infection between ages 15 to 45. How do I get tested? So I'm 
got something going on, I come to you, um, I maybe have been trying to self-treat, yeah. going over the counter for things, and it's just not getting better. Well, you're really painting like a very common clinical picture that I hear about a lot of like my younger patients, and even my older patients will come in um, telling me that exact story of something feels off, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm here now, and my home remedies have definitely not helped. Um, and I think it's partly the fact that they feel a little embarrassed before they're able to really come in and um, seek treatment. But um, we perform a pelvic exam. The vagina itself should look completely normal, except usually for some um, abnormal discharge that's thin, gray. Um, and what we do is we collect some of that discharge, and we look at it underneath the microscope. Um, and we look for a certain type of cells to see um, if there's an overgrowth. And then additionally, we do um, some other tests to uh, look at like the pH um, and also um, something called the whiff test, which um, really helps describe the fishy odor that is associated with BV. And when you meet three out of these four criteria, which some uh, individuals will know as the AMSLs criteria, then we treat patients for bacterial vaginosis. Okay, and so what are the treatment options? So first and foremost, everyone should really know that the treatment options are not anything that you can buy over the counter, that you should always obtain it from your provider. Um, home remedies, things like yogurt or hydrogen peroxide, um, or even like the regular use of probiotics may help in some uh, situations to prevent recurrences, but they're not for treatment. Um, and treatment is really medication, and depending upon what you and your provider decide, it can be in the form of a tablet that you take by mouth, and that can range anywhere from a single dose one day um, to a multiple day regimen for up to a week. Um, and it can also include using a gel that would, could be inserted into the vagina. It really depends on what you're most comfortable with and what your provider feels is most appropriate for you. So I have to um, um, say, that while we were getting ready to do this, you mentioned, Dr. Noor mentioned to me, that sometimes women misunderstand some of these at-home remedies and in fact um, place them inside their vagina. Yes. Yogurt, yes. all kinds of things that are not going things. to help and not are probably gonna hurt. Exactly, <laughs> you know, I really describe the vagina as like a self-cleaner, meaning that it is there for you to preserve and let it do whatever it wants to do on its own. Um, it is not meant for you to mess with the ecosystem. Uh, and so when you insert things like hydrogen peroxide, thinking that that's going to improve the acidity, which is caustic to the vagina, and I would not do. Um, if you insert a probiotic, for instance, which I've had a patient do before, which you're supposed to take orally to replace um, the normal flora that usually sits inside the vagina, I would not recommend that. Um, and a slew of other things. And I, I really think that the motto, less is more, goes a long way when it comes to your vaginal care and your vulvar care. So the way that I think about it, I think in very simple terms, is that on a day-to-day -day basis, we have bacteria that is there that breaks down the chemicals that our body produces in the vagina. And then we have normal physiologic vaginal secretions that are supposed to be expelled from our body. And that's what we see on a day-to-day -day basis. And when there's a disruption in that, then maybe you'll have more discharge, you can have foul-smelling discharge, um, but the vagina is an ecosystem that does take care of itself, and it is one of the few parts of our bodies that doesn't require as much self-care as we think it needs. 
Self-medication is, I think, one of the biggest problems that I have in a GYN practice. And I, I think it comes down to, number one, education, and then number two, um, really a lack of understanding that you can go to your provider about this and you shouldn't feel ashamed to bring up something that feels so personal but is so important to your personal health. Um, when you go to your OBGYN and you talk to them about your vaginal discharge, you should say, hey, you know what? It smells abnormal. I'm not comfortable with this. There's more of this than what usually happens. And even if they say that you don't have an infection, at least you're put at peace knowing that things are the way that they're supposed to be. And if they're not, regardless, your physician should be performing a physical exam, a pelvic exam, inserting a speculum, looking at the vagina and the cervix. When a woman has bacterial vaginosis, the vagina and the cervix will look structurally normal. There may not be any redness, there won't be any lesions, but there will be some discharge and that discharge should be sampled and your provider either in clinic can look at that sample or they may send a test off to a lab where you'll get an answer within one to two days about whether you do or do not meet criteria for BV and should be treated. Is there anything that I can do to I or other women can do, because I am not in the target age range. Uh, <laughs> let's just be clear about that. But uh, is there anything that really women can be doing to protect their flora? Yeah, there's actually a variety of things. So condom use is associated with decreased risk of um, developing BB. <laughs> so do I as a GYN. I, I really, really do. I can't stress it enough. Um, so condom use is one, uh, quit smoking is another one. I mean, we all know that smoking is just bad for you, but really what it does is that it uh, results in immunosuppression. So your immune system is not up to fighting the fight that it's supposed to put up against things. Even little fights. Even the little fights, mm-hmm. even in the places that we mm-hmm. don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's another one. Um, other things, uh, so vaginal um, hygiene, so making sure that you're not um, using any types of vaginal douches because that really disturbs the pH and the ecosystem within uh-huh. the vagina. Uh-huh. Um, and then we always talk about um, uh, when you have multiple sexual partners that you are more likely to be exposed um, to a variety of infections. So condomies can mitigate that, but right. that's something to also keep in, to, in the back of your mind. Um, even using combined hormonal birth control pills has been associated really? with increased risk. Yes, we huh. think that the estrogen component actually helps support um, the predominance of a certain type of bacteria within the vagina. And then the one thing that I think a lot of people are really surprised about is that we do not recommend that you perform any form of vaginal douching. The vagina is a self-cleaning system. It has an ecosystem that should not be disturbed. Um, Placing things in the vagina that originally were not there definitely disrupts that balance and can result in infections like this where you have a predominance of one bacteria that really shouldn't be the main player but does become so and ends up resulting in these symptoms of irritation, abnormal discharge, discomfort, um, itching that uh, is really disruptive to a woman's day-to-day routine. So what if a woman is pregnant? Is she more at risk? Does she do anything different? Yeah, so a woman who is pregnant um, has to be careful and make sure that she always goes to her OBGYN when she notices that she has any abnormal discharge. Um, not just because for fear of uh, uh, being in preterm labor, but just what the um, the implications are of having abnormal discharge. And we know that bacterial vaginosis is associated with preterm delivery. Mm-hmm. And so a woman who um, a woman who has bacterial vaginosis should be treated if she is pregnant. 
Okay, so um, <clears throat> what happens if a woman has BV? Mm -hmm. Now we got bad news, but she's not diagnosed and treated. What 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 are the implications to her? So we know that women who have BV are at increased risk of developing other types of infections, and that include things like HIV, herpes, chlamydia, gonorrhea. Um, so that's a setup for things I think no one really wants mm -hmm. to be exposed to. Um, what was the other part of your question? Basically, what happens to you if you don't get tested and treated? The other thing <clears throat> is that then, you know, when you have this infection persistently, there's the part that we forget about women's care, which is how much our reproductive organs really, in terms of their health, can be a reflection of our own self-esteem and our confidence. And having this persistently is something that can really just affect like your day-to-day -day function. And I don't think that we stress that enough because it's something that we don't openly talk about. Um, I'm sure it's anyway a difficult conversation for two women to be talking about their sexual health and on top of that be talking about something that's incredibly abnormal and disruptive of their um, their day-to-day -day, uh, their day-to-day -day life but um, you know this is a thing that can prevent two individuals from becoming intimate this is a thing that can disrupt your day-to-day -day, like work life being able to you know go to the bathroom if you're worried about smell yes. then you're, you're all you, the things you build you're gonna, this fear up yeah you what you're gonna wear with for yourself yes. all of it all yes. of it yeah. so I think, i'm glad you brought that part up yeah so i think mm -hmm. that the persistence is something that um that uh, has more of a psychological not just necessarily like a, a health um impact mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how how, so I get BV, mm -hmm. I come to see you, you diagnose and treat. Yes, and then what Am happens? Am I gonna get it again? And that is always the question that everyone wants to I don't want it again. You know, I don't want you to have it again either. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, what we know statistically is that 30% of women who are treated and who um, are adequately uh, treated, meaning that they respond to the therapy within right. three months, right. will have another infection. Really? And if you look at a year, 50% of women will have a recurrence. Is that because there's just something going on with my body that just makes me a little more susceptible? I think it's because you're really trying to reset something that is so complex okay. that's already been okay. disturbed. And it's mm -hmm. probably going to take more than one dose of medication and potentially a change in more hygiene habits or day-to-day -day habits in order for there to uh, for things to be reset mm -hmm. um, and I think that it tends to be the most frustrating part of this because mm -hmm. things like chlamydia and gonorrhea tend to be more about one or done identified my partner right. identified the situation right. where I may have took a pill yeah and, we're done and it's gone but BV is hey maybe it's because of um, the fact that I you know I am getting this uh, infection repeatedly from my partner who could be potentially asymptomatic. So right, men, right, yeah. right, yep. Okay, so if you were, if I was a new patient and in the age range, mm -hmm. <laughs> or you were talking to my daughter, who is in the age range? Yeah. You know, what advice would you have for her and really what advice do you have to all of your patients, even if they don't have BV? Yeah. Do you have something like, okay, or to your friends or your sisters or your, yeah. you know. I tell people that they should feel empowered to bring up even the smallest of details about their gynecologic health to their providers. And the reason is because we do such a poor job about openly speaking about our reproductive health. Um, it can be as simple as things as like pelvic pain, pain with sex, um, vaginal discharge. I think we all want to skirt it under the rug as something that 
happens, but it's not important, but it is a priority because how you feel about yourself um, is really something that starts to reflect in your day-to-day life based on your personal health. And no one knows that better than you. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was reading something not too long ago about the fact that a high percentage, I don't remember the details, this is a different topic, have pain during sex, but they don't realize that's potentially solvable. They have no clue. They think this is perfectly normal, and that is so sad. It's quite unfortunate. And, you know, I, um, dyspareunia, which is pain with sex, is I think one of the most common GYN complaints that I have, at least in my office, um, specifically because I am also um, specialized in chronic pelvic pain. But I think, again, it's one of those topics where we talk about how much we may enjoy sex or how much we may engage in sex. But the, the other part of it, the flip side, which is where it becomes uncomfortable or mm-hmm. becomes something that we can't engage in, mm-hmm. is not something that we can speak to our girlfriend about or our physician about. Or if we do, we feel like it's something that can't be solved. And right. there should be right. an answer because right. that's not normal. Right. That's not normal. And there are a variety of reasons for it and things that can be investigated and things that can be solved. I think that it's, you know... I think that reproductive health tends to be a very difficult topic to discuss um, person to person, patient to physician. And when you go to your primary health care provider, it's great for you to get all the preventative things that you need done. Get your HPV vaccine, get your pap smear done, do your breast exam. But sometimes you may feel like this is not the individual to bring up a certain complaint that you feel is more of a female concern. And so feel empowered to make an appointment with someone who deals with this on a day-to-day basis. There are some physicians, um, such as family medicine providers, who um, are uh, who will commonly do well woman exams, who are very well versed in things like BV, but you may not find that that's every provider. So if you feel like you don't get your questions answered in that visit, you should seek that answer from someone else, such as your OBGYN. Well, that's what Asha always says is that if you are ever talking to your provider and you don't feel you get what you need, go to another provider. 100%. And I think that's the thing that we all forget as providers and patients that these interactions really dictate how we end up seeking our care and how we feel about our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't have a great relationship with your provider, you're doing yourself a, dis- right. a disservice, right. Right? right? You're less likely to ask for the things mm-hmm. that you need mm-hmm. because everyone knows this, whether they realize it or not, the only things that are going to be addressed are the things that you tell your provider. Mm-hmm. And if Truthfully you, tell your provider. Truthfully <laughs> tell your provider. I would hope. I would hope. Well, we know that's also yeah. an issue. <laughs> and I think, again, if you don't feel comfortable, then move on because mm-hmm. guess what? We're graduating right. more than enough individuals who want to take care right. of you. Right. Um, and... It is your own human right to be able to receive the health care that you deserve. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. I know I did. If you want to learn more about BV and vaginal health or other topics in sexual health, visit our website at www.ashasexualhealth.org. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe or leave us a review. Thanks for listening and be sure to check out other episodes of Sex Plus Health.